Good morning, everybody. How is everybody? Everybody good? Who's excited to be at church today? All right. We're medium excited. That's okay. Anybody really excited to be at church today? Perfect. Well, I'm excited too. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Maya, and I'm the Lion Location Pastor out in the South Line of our Mile City location. And so uh, it's a gift to get to be here today in Plymouth. Um, just one thing is before we get started, as if you don't know Barry, Barry is your, your uh, campus pastor here in Plymouth, and he's an incredible guy. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you think about Barry, just to send him a text, send him an email, and tell him how thankful you are for him, because he's an incredible man who loves you guys so much. And uh, so I'm so grateful to be here while well, he's in Puerto Rico with our students, uh, leading them with Jordan. And so it's really incredible to be here. But it is a gift and I'm excited, but it's also a little bit bittersweet today um, because as you've heard, it is the last week in our series, Truth and Dare. And so um, anybody been here for the whole series? Anybody caught it? Man, nice job. Nice job. Anybody online? For those of you watching online, we're glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Miles City Espanol, we're glad you're here joining us as well. But uh, if you haven't made it through all of these or for all of these, no worries. I just want to encourage you to go back and watch these previous talks because they really truly have been uh, helpful and insightful as we've walked through the book of Daniel. And if it is your first time here, we hope it's not your last. But what we've been doing is walking through the book of Daniel and seeing the truths that lie in the book of Daniel. And then, in partnership with those truths, issuing some dares and seeing how scripture challenges us to apply those truths to our life. And we've seen some pretty amazing dares so far in the series. We've been dared to be distinct. We've been dared to share, to stand up, to be humble, to wake up, to be faithful, to be changed. We've been dared to pray. And last week we were dared to fight. I was really excited about that one. It wasn't quite what I thought was going to happen, but, you know, I'm just a guy. I just like to break things pretty much. Um, but we were dared to fight. And this week is our last series and so it is also our last dare and so we thought because it's our last week in this series that we couldn't just go out with any dare but that we had to go out with a double dare take a look well hello my name is mark summers and i want to welcome you to the slimiest grimiest whippity wappityest game show on the planet called double dare that's why i want to welcome you our contestants we've got pastor maki and pastor oscar and not to mention pastor maya and pastor harry what's going to happen is we're going to answer some questions they're going to answer some questions if they know them, then they're going to go ahead. If they don't know it, then they're going to dare them. And then if they don't know it, then they're going to double dare them and they're going to have to do a physical challenge. Okay, I hope everyone's got it. Let's start and let's begin. We'll start with you, Maki and Oscar. Here's your first question. What is the official language of Japan? Japanese. Oh, congratulations. Great. Okay, and on to the next question. What is the square root of 9,409? Three seconds. 32. Okay, all right. Here's what's going to happen. Your physical challenge is going to be called the Soak Sponge Soaker. Well, here we are at our first physical challenge called the Soak Sponge Soaker. Right this way, here's what's going to happen. Oscar, you're going to fill up these sponges and get them all soaked okay. up. Then you're going to go ahead and throw that sponge over to Maki. And Maki's going to put that sponge over his head and fill that cup up okay. to that red line. And this is the dare. You've got to do that in 15 seconds. Get the water up to the top. On your mark. Get set. 
go, double dare. Oh yeah, he gets it to the top here. Oh, nice in there. Keep throwing, keep throwing. He's going about. Okay, we got a few more seconds here. He's coming around. He's getting there. Oh, nice positioning. Look at him. Okay, he's getting there. There, he's getting really good there. Really nice. getting he's in almost there. there. Oh no, still a little more. Comes up the top. Comes up the top. I think I did it. Okay. Yeah. Wow, they made the double dare challenge. Just like you. Well, Travis Summers here. What a physical challenge that was. Look at Maki here feeling refreshed, right, Maki? Okay. All right. Next, next questions. Let's go over to this blue team here on the Doverdale Challenge. Here's your questions. What is the fifth word in Psalm 3718? Oh. Dare. Dare. Okay. What is the fifth word in Psalm 3718? It's just dare. There. They're going to double dare. Okay, on to the next physical challenge, which is going to be called Fork in the Road. Well, welcome to the second physical challenge, the Fork in the Road, where we have our two contestants here with literally signs attached to their backsides with forks connected within 20 seconds. You've got to get three popped to win the double dare challenge. Okay, contestants ready? Yeah. On your mark, get set. Splash! Oh! They go for the one. They got the first one on the challenge. Oh, they go for that. They got to get lower. Get those leg squats going. Come on, Harry. You got to get a little bit lower. Get down there. Come on, guys. You got. Oh, they got another one. Okay, let's see if they can get get low. They got to get really work out those squats. Really work out where they've got it. Harry comes to go to the other one. They go to the other. Oh! And they ran out of time. Well, here's our last physical challenge to break this tie. Here we have a dozen eggs and a dozen eggs. The one contestant throws the egg over to the other contestant. They have to catch it, a clean catch, and then crack it on the top of their head. First one to seven eggs cracked on the top of their head wins the Double Dare Championship. On your mark, let's count it down. Three, two, one, let's go! Oh, there's one. There's two. Oh, we missed one. There's three. The Oscar keeps missing them. He's like a chicken. He's getting back. My God. He's missing. 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 He's Yeah, I mean, you can clap for it if you want. That was amazing. Amazingly bad, but still amazing, right? And, uh, you know, that's the benefit of being bald. You don't get anything stuck in your hair. Poor Oscar, though. I mean, DeBerry was just chucking eggs at Oscar. That's the thing. You couldn't say Barry's just like, wham. So Oscar, every time he does this, it's like a bullet just slapping him in the chest. Uh, but that was fun. Thanks for humoring us. But in all seriousness, uh, what we're going to walk through in our last dare can sometimes be uh, one of the most difficult things for uh, people. And uh, today we're going to be uh, daring to trust in um, hope, to have hope. And so, um, you know, it's a good thing to have without, uh, without hope. It's a life killer, but with hope, it's a life giver. And so 
Uh, we're going to walk through that today. And uh, we're not going to be dared to just hope in general, but dared to hope in a few specific things. And so I'm excited for us to walk through this together. Um, just a little recap for us so we're all feeling a little bit fresh about where we're at. In the first half of this book, we see a Hebrew uh, teenager, Daniel, be taken into captivity um, because of 490 years of sin of his people. And so he gets taken into captivity, but because of his obedience to God, we see Daniel rise through the ranks to have these positions of influence and prominence for five different kings in two different empires. So a vast length of life of so much influence. And so we see that in the first half of this book. But then after the first half of this book, we get to uh, past chapter 6. And this is generally where churches stop preaching because it gets a little weird. Gets a little prophetic. We see a, a book that's just chock full of prophecy. Maybe if you've been here, you've, you've heard about some of it, right? It's like one horn and four horns and a little horn and a big horn. And we don't necessarily know what it all means. And so, uh, but it turns a little prophetic. But what's really, um, what's really cool in this book, as we've been seeing um, visions and prophecy, we also get to see some of Daniel's visions that are happening with him. And we've, get to see, we've gotten to see some incredible things as we've kind of dissected that prophecy. And other scholars has, have dissected that as well. And so... Um, Today we're going to be in the last half of chapter 11 and in chapter 12, but uh, in the first half of chapter 11, the first 35 verses, just to tell you how much prophecy is there, there are over 135 prophecies in just 35 verses. Over 135 prophecies in just 35 verses in the first half of chapter 11. And what was the future for Daniel at this time when these prophecies were happening? For us, they are now already have been fulfilled. There are things that have been fulfilled with a 100% accuracy, a 100% correctness. And so that's really cool for us to see. And not just in the Bible, but we also get to see those prophecies have been filled and, 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 and confirmed in the pages of history. In the books of history, history books. I mean, you can go on Wikipedia, you can Google them. So it's amazing to see that our God who prophesied so many things so long ago that it's come to fruition. And so that's that first half of chapter 11, so perfectly foretold. Um, and just a little side dare because we don't have time to go through all those. So I guess this would make this a double dare as well. I just want to encourage you, less messy, encourage you to on your own time go through chapter 11 through the uh, first 35 verses because they really are incredible. And it's really amazing to see God show off in those prophecies that he has fulfilled so perfectly. It's really awesome. So that leads us to our first dare. But before we do that, I just want to take a second and I want to pray for our time together. So let's pray. Um, dear God, thank you for this morning. Lord, what a gift it is to be here um, just together with everybody online, Miles City Espanol, Lord, just together journeying and discovering more of who you are, Lord. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word, that it's so uh, accessible to us that we get to dive in it together, Lord, and learn more about your character and how amazing you are. And so, God, I just uh, pray for our time together, Lord, that, um, Father, that our minds and our hearts will be open. So how it is that you want to talk to each one of us specifically through your word, Lord. We know that your word says it's alive and living and active. So, Lord, it's active. It's on the pursuit, Lord. Let it just sink deep with us, Lord. Um, God, I pray for our students who are in Puerto Rico right now, Lord, that you are just, uh, Lord, preparing them, Lord, preparing them to share hope with those in Puerto Rico, Lord. And so I just pray protection over them, Lord, that you would give them confidence, that you would give them boldness. Father, help us to be bold in your word as well, Lord. We love you. We thank you for the gift it is to be together, for the gift of your word. And we pray this on your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the first dare we're looking at here is this uh, dare to hope in true prophecy. So dare to hope in true prophecy. Um, God is amazing. And that's a really easy statement to say. It's a really easy thing for our, just to let loose from our lips. But it's really hard for us to comprehend all that. In fact, we can't fully comprehend how amazing God is. Lots of scripture tells us that. But one of the ways I love that God paints himself in amazing ways in the book of Isaiah chapter 46, and it says this. 
For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done. He also paints it in Isaiah 42 and says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. So I just love that a God is so amazing. Already he just separates himself here. Um, because no other God has done what our God has done, right? Real prophecy is God's true calling card. And he's the only one who can do it. Looking through those first 35 verses in chapter 11, we see that he is 100% correct. Scholars and so many theologians and uh, so many smart people, way smarter than I am, still say that it's impossible for any one man to have done all these things. And yet we see it in reality and coming to fruition. That tells us that we can dare to hope in true prophecy. We see these prophecies in the book of Isaiah. We see them in extra biblical resources. But we can trust in the true prophecy of God because what he has said and what we know and what's coming to fruition has been 100% correct. 100% correct. And so we can dare to hope in the future because we can dare to hope in the prophecy of God. So today, like I said, we'll be in chapter 11. We'll be starting in verse 36. And so what's different about this right now, this vision that we'll see in chapter 36 or uh, verse 36 through uh, the end of chapter 12 is that this vision is very different because up to this point, like we've said already, all these things have been fulfilled. But this vision that happens in verse 36, there is no longer a connection to the known history that we have. So in our time right now, this has not yet been fulfilled. And so that what's, that's what makes it different. It's really cool. And so Daniel's talking about a time that's yet to come. So let's, t- uh, let's take a look here. Chapter 11, verse 36. Take a deep breath. There's a lot of verses, but we'll get through them and it's going to be good. And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every God and shall speak astonishing things against the God of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is accomplished. For what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other God for he shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the God of fortresses instead of these. A God whom his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He shall deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign God. Those who acknowledge him, he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over many and shall divide the land for a price. At that time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him. But the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind, with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. And he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land. And tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and silver and all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. Let me just going to shake the brain out for a second. A lot of verses, a lot of good stuff. But what we see in, this, in these verses is a picture of a king that's yet to come. And uh, we've seen him described before. In chapter 7, we saw him described as the little horn. He's also known by many terms, the man of lawlessness, uh, the uh, beast, the man of sin. But the apostle John gave him the name by probably what most of us know him as, and that's the Antichrist. The Antichrist, that's who he's talking about here. Um, now in the church world, we've kind of made this man a, bo- a boogeyman of sorts. We kind of like think we know he's real, but is he real? To what detail? This guy is 100% real. He's not imaginary. And this isn't an analogy. It's talking about an actual person who is going to come into power. 
We, did, we get a description here of what this man will be like, right? It says he's, he isn't going to revere God. In fact, he's, going to hold any God, he's not going to hold any God in esteem because he will see himself as God. He will see himself as God. He feels that he answers to no one. He's going to be obsessed with power and worship that rather than God. It says he worships the fortress. He, he worships the God of fortress, which most likely means he's going to place his trust in the military and in big weapons. All of his relationships are going to be fueled by getting what he wants. He's only going to reward those who recognize him, who recognize his authority and who would endorse him. Revelations tells us he's going to pass himself off as a man of peace, but he will ultimately bring destruction as he attacks Israel and desecrates their temple. As we read the description, it's hard to, uh, I can't help but think that there are already those uh, traits exhibited in our world today. And in some people that we see, that they're not so far off or yet to come, but they're actually already in the world, right? How many people do we know that think of themselves as, as untouchable, right? Uh, or, or obsessed with gaining power. That, that attitude and those characteristics are already fluent in our world today. This man is called the Antichrist, which makes sense if you compare to him how he's, uh, how he's compared to Jesus. And so I want to take a side-by-side look between the two because oftentimes when we uh, see characteristics of the Antichrist, we see the bad ones. But when we hear the ones that don't feel so bad, it, thinks, it sounds like maybe he is a little similar. But when we look at them side-by-side, I believe it's a very clear difference. And so let's look at some of the characteristics side-by-side. Um, instead of not recognizing God, Jesus says he and the Father are one and that he doesn't do anything without the Father. Jesus submits himself to God's authority and this man will refuse authority. Instead of being obsessed with power like the Antichrist, we are told Jesus made of himself no reputation and that he humbled himself, sacrificed his rights to become a man. And instead, of, and instead of offering his friendship only to those who gained power, we see that Jesus gave himself for us knowing that we have nothing to give him in return. That's always a big one, always a one that just gets me. Jesus did what he did knowing we will give nothing in return. We have nothing to offer him. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Antichrist will come promising peace that he won't deliver. But we are told Jesus is the Prince of Peace who will bring about an everlasting peace. It's easy to see now that these two are complete opposites, that there are no similarities. And that's why this next dare is this dare to hope in the true prince, not the false prince, the true prince. Dare to hope in the true prince. When we think of the word anti, we think of it as meaning against. And while that's partially true... In the Greek, the word anti means instead of. It means instead of. And so this is this guy, not just totally opposite of God, but wanting to be in place instead of Christ, to take God's place, to deceive many. He wants to take the worship that belongs to our God, the one and only, right? And unfortunately, there are going to be people in the world, we live in a world that's going to let him. They're going to put their hope in this phony prince. And now some of us as Christ followers may be sitting here thinking, why would anybody do that, right? If, we, if he's so destructive, if he's so terrible, why would we let him take that place? But I have to tell you, the reason that so many will be duped, because this guy is no average Joe. He's not your run-of-the-mill guy, right? He is somebody that's outstanding. He's a self-made man. This guy will look like a winner, right? He will bow to no one, but he'll bring peace to the Middle East. On the outside, this guy will look like he's got it all together, like he's one of the most admirable guys and that'll be, that'll be tempting. It'll be tempting to follow somebody. Anybody ever see on the screen or see an interview with somebody? It's like, man, that guy's great. That lady's awesome. I want to follow them, right? So easily we do that. And here we are. This is the extreme. This guy's going to be an admirable guy that's going to dupe so many. 
He's going to do so, so many. And that's why we have to be rooted well in God's word. We have to know the characteristics of God so we're not so easily duped. We have to know the spirit that is opposite of God. And we also have to know the spirit that is of God, right? The spirit that's of God is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The spirit of the Antichrist is the opposite. And so as we look, as we are reminded of the fruits of God, and then we see the fruits that are the Antichrist, the question that begs to be asked is, where do we line up? Where do we line up with those characteristics? It's really a hard question to, to answer because for a lot of us, we want to so easily dismiss those, right? We want to dismiss that, like, no, 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 I'm all good, I do everything great. But the truth is, we're not perfect. And that's okay because here it is, this journey is not about perfection. It's just about the pursuit of Christ. God doesn't require our perfection. But it's about being really well-rooted in the truth so that we know the truth and the untruth when we see it. It's not about us being perfect. It's just being rooted in Christ, allowing him to refine us. And so the question is, are we accepting something phony? Are you accepting something phony? Do you maybe see yourself as the final authority in your life? Or do you recognize that God is overall and he's the ultimate authority? Or maybe the question to be asked is, do you trust in things that you can get or the power that you can gain? Or do you trust the one with the true power, the true prince? Dare to hope in the true prince. Where do you lie? The hope for all of us is that as we ask that question as we dive in, is that we wouldn't feel bad. Don't let this, don't let this depress you, but let it motivate you, right? The hope is that we, when we recognize those qualities, when we recognize those things that are uncharacteristic of Christ, that we, is that we would be transparent and that we would come before Christ and we would ask him to just restore us and refine us so that we can look more like him and less like the anti. That we would look more like him and less like the anti. As we close out chapter 11 here, we get into verse 12, and we get another look at what else we're dared to hope in. So let's take a look here. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1 here, it says, And at that time uh, shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And so many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Knowledge shall increase. Now the magnitude of what's being said here is pretty huge. I don't know if anybody caught it. But if we think about it, we have a planet, right, that has seen some pretty horrendous things. Lots of wars. Lots of disasters, so many things that we probably couldn't have thought about 50 years ago or 100 years ago. We've seen that happen. And so here it is, Scripture saying, what we've seen doesn't even compare to what will happen. What we've experienced can't even hold a candle to what will come. In fact, whatever we could even imagine or conjure up still will, pair, will pale in comparison to what the Antichrist will create. It'll be like any, unlike anything we've seen in history. Unlike anything we've seen in history, it will not be adequate to what we will actually experience. That's pretty heavy to think all of all the bad things we've seen, we still haven't seen anything this terrible. But here's what I love about God. 
is even with how ominous that can possibly feel, right, sometimes, we see hope in this passage. There is hope to be had in this passage. Um, You see, God is going to deliver his people. It's so incredible because it's always true. No matter how terrible the circumstances have gotten in history, God's always delivered his people. Notice to Daniel, he says this, your people, well, Daniel's people is Israel. Those people will be delivered. But then he adds something so important that's so crucial. And he says this in what we just read. Everyone, 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 everyone whose name is found in the book of life. That's also who will be delivered. The book of life. It's not just mentioned here in Daniel. It's mentioned several other places in scripture. Moses mentions it, David, Paul, John, the apostles, and even Jesus himself. And from those mentions, what we can see is that this book of life, for lack of a better phrase, is kind of like the, uh, uh, what, is, what do I want to say, like uh, heaven's birth register. It's like when you're reborn, when you have a new life in Christ, your name gets written in that book of life. In order to get in heaven, your name's got to be in that book. And Christ wants you to be in heaven. Christ wishes that none should perish. And that's why today, one of the other things we want to dare you to hope in is dare to hope in a true prize. Dare to hope in a true prize. We all get caught up with things on earth that we feel are valuable, right? Anybody ever hold some value to anything here on earth? No, I'm alone. Wow. I got to hang out with you guys more often. Right? We hold value with a new car or maybe that extra zero that gets put in our paycheck. We think that's the real value. But if you're a Jesus follower, if you're a Christ follower in the room, you know the real value. The real prize is that we get to spend eternity in heaven with, with Christ. We get to spill, spend eternity with, in heaven with Christ, right? We're told that things here are only going to get worse. So don't store up treasures in, on earth, but store them up in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy them, Right? And your treasures in your life are actually very apparent, right? Because scripture also says where your treasure is there, your heart is also. And so where's your treasure? Where's your heart? It's really easy to lose focus of the all amazing things that happen here on earth and get distracted from the treasures in heaven. Even in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 70 of his disciples to go on a mission trip. And when they come back, they're super pumped up. They're like, man, look at the, the, the healing was incredible that happened. Everything was so amazing. Even the demons obeyed us. Can you imagine that? I mean, i got to be honest. If I could pick one gift, it would be healing. I mean, can you imagine, like, no arm, no problem. Here you go. No leg, boom. It's probably not boom. They're probably not that excited. It's not Emerald Lagasse with spices and everything. But it would be awesome, right? You'd be jacked up, like, dude, I can't believe that. And this is what God had allowed them to experience. God had given that ability to heal people. But Jesus even looks at them and says, hey, don't get pumped up because the demons obey you or because you could heal people. That was because of me, but you should get pumped up because your names are in heaven's book. Your names are registered in heaven. Jesus did not forget the true prize. He didn't forget it. Everything he did on this earth, on this earth was making a way for us so that we could actually have the true prize. Everything he did was centered around us having a way to have a real relationship with him so that when this life here on earth ends, that it doesn't have to end forever, but that we can spend eternity with Christ. The true prize is heaven. And Jesus made a way for us to do that. He shared that with us. And that's our mission as Christ followers is to share that hope with others. Our mission as Christ followers is to share the hope of that only comes through Christ. And so the question is, is are you sharing that hope? If you have that true prize, are you sharing that hope? It's really easy for all of us to go, yeah, 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 true prize, true prize. Some of us aren't so eager to go, yeah, sharing it, sharing it, sharing it. And I'm with you. 
Trust me, I'm, I'm just as guilty as not sharing as often as I should. But I just want to encourage you that you don't have to have it all perfect because when you share the true hope of Christ, really what you're sharing is God's interaction with you. And who knows your story better than you? And so be bold because you can have 100% confidence in Christ. So be bold in the way Christ offers and sharing the story of how God has changed your life. And I also want to encourage you, if you have shared the gospel with somebody, but you haven't put it on a ping pong ball out there, if you've seen that big baseball down on the wall, after this, just go right out there, get a ping pong ball, write the name on it and drop it in there. Because this isn't for us to be like, man, look at you, but it's for us to honor Christ and go, man, look what God's doing. And it helps us pray for those people that you're sharing the gospel with. It's an amazing thing to do. Are we sharing the true hope about the true prize? Let's continue here in verse 5. It says this, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on the other bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the stream, How long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, uh, who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time. Does that sound familiar anyways? As we walk through this prophecy stuff. Kind of general. But um, time, times, and half a time. And that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, oh, my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way. Daniel, for the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from time and from, and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days." So here is this, this incredible vision that Daniel has witnessed. Up to this point, Daniel, all the visions have been destruction and desolation and kind of ominous and kind of like, man, this is going to be crazy. But here, this vision is a little different in this part, and we're getting a lot of hope. But what's crazy is Daniel's getting here, but he doesn't understand it. He gets this vision of hope finally, but he doesn't understand it. And so he's like, uh, excuse me, Bueller, Bueller, can anybody help me out here? That's the Greek Bueller. I'm just joking. Uh, but he's saying, hey, this is awesome, but I don't understand it. Who can, who can point this out? Who can, who can make this a reality for me? Who can help me understand? Who can help me understand this vision? All right? He's like, you showed me this incredible thing, but what's it mean? And here's God's response. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I mean, uh, what a crazy response, right? And some of us are in the same boat, right? Some of us are in the same boat, right? You're looking for God. You're looking to God for an explanation, about some vision or something that's happened to you, whether good or bad, and you're wondering, God, what does this mean? Why is this happening? And for a lot of us, we're getting the same answer, right? Don't worry about it. And that can be frustrating sometimes if we're being honest. And sometimes it can even make us question our faith because we're like, what the heck's going on? God, why, why is this happening? I want an answer. But it's not all loose in this here. It's not all loose in this verse. It's not all don't worry about it. Daniel gets a bit, a bit of an answer from God here. In that final verse, he says this, right? But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of days. Those final words speak a lot of volume. They're big words. Now, it's not always the answer that we want. God doesn't answer the specific question that Daniel asks, right? 
But his answer tells us something about God, right? He says, don't worry, Daniel. When all this stuff goes down, don't worry. I have a place that's planned specifically for you and where you'll be. And when it all comes to pass, and it's going to be all right. It's not the specific answer that he wants, right? God doesn't answer the specific question that Daniel is asking you. But his answer tells us, hey, you're going to be okay. For many of us, if we're being honest, not only do we want the explanation the way we want it, but we almost feel that God sometimes owes us that explanation, right? We've been through all this, we've been through all this stuff, God. And you're going to say, don't worry about it? Sometimes we feel like he owes us that. But the thing about God when we search the scriptures is that God has never promised that he was going to tell us everything. He never promised he was going to tell us everything when we wanted it. He never promised that things would be easy or that our life would be free of struggle, disappointment, or pain. And that's hard sometimes because if we're being honest as humans, we want what we want, right? When we want it. Not later, but now. It's that hard reality that God operates on an eternal timeline and we operate on this temporal timeline. But we want it now. But scripture tells us that God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says this. It says, we understand in part and we prophesy in part. Meaning we can't fully understand and we can't fully grasp God's plan for our lives. We won't fully understand while we're here on earth, not until we're in heaven. But there is a promise that we see in scripture that is super incredible that I want us to look at here in Isaiah 43. It says this, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That is our promise. What an incredible promise, right? Think about it. Through all the hardship, through all the ups and downs, through all the grief, through all the pain, through all the things we don't even understand or even comprehend or even feel like we won't make it through, God promises that he will not leave us alone, that we won't have to go through this alone, that he will never abandon us. God will never abandon us. I'm going to read you something. This is from a time in my life where things were really hard. In fact, I was at a place where I felt there was no hope. I was at this place that I thought the best solution was for me just to leave the world. Hope was gone. And I'll never forget this. I'm sitting laying on the floor at two in the morning and God won't leave me alone. Anybody ever have God not leave you alone? It's a little irritating. You're like, gosh darn it, leave me alone. I want to go to bed. I'm sitting here. I'm in my shame. I'm in just a place of depression with no hope. And God will not leave me alone until I write this down. And this is what the Lord gave me. And it's a dialogue between me and God. It's a dialogue between me and God and my, my, the reality of where I feel like I'm at and the reality of what I feel like the solution is. But it's also the reality of me remembering God's promise that I'll never be alone. It says this, It's been so long since I've been yours holy. Always in the ulterior on the interior, when did I last pray to you fully? Always seeking on the side what I'd like to be done instead of living present with God and my wife and my friends, I've been living this life of one. How can you reconcile the breaking of the bridge of the trust with the person that you love the most? Stupidity and timidity and trying to do it all on my own leaves my wife and my family and myself feeling all alone. Can I still be effective when I'm so deeply defective? Oh God, how can you look at me when my hands are so dirty? 
In times of need, I saw you in every face of my people, but I turned around and I went around, and that's what caused the crumble. How can you receive me? Aren't you ashamed to call me yours? But you aren't. You still want me. You say, come and knock on my door. If you can picture it, that's the Three's Company theme song. It's the way God works in my brain. Come and knock on my door. I'm being honest. That's truly what was it. I'm like, wow, that's weird. Come and knock on my door. I don't know how to forgive myself, but if I lay it with you, you can help me find the way to a right path, a new heart. Life with you is sustaining. God, I need you. Please, I need you. I just want to be okay. But through the hardships and the leaning in, you can take away my shame. Help me to pursue my wife and family so fiercely with truth and humility. But the only way to do that is through all of you and none of me. Transform my weeping soul like the changing leaves as the season go. I want to awaken new and whole as I fully trust you with my soul. Brick by brick by brick we rebuild. Because God, when you bring it to, li- when you bring it to life, it cannot be killed. Take me now or take me later, but please, dear God, don't let me take me. Let this new life forever be before my king. Cast down your worries and your cares, as First Peter so gracefully puts it. No more fooling around. A life without God is just plain bull. You can finish it. Anger, lies, and deceit trick you into feeling like leaving would be the best. But God cut me open, knocked me down, cut away, and killed the flesh. And the sweet dew of the spring morning and the mighty mountains that only you can move Even the worst like me can have redemption and hope because redemption and hope comes with you. And the work that you begin will be brought to completion by your hand. That's no... That's that's no, no fake story. That's a real encounter. That's my encounter with God. Let me tell you that these aren't just words you see on a page. This is the true character of Christ. That even though you don't understand, even though you can't comprehend, even though you might be angry, even though there might be so much grief, there might be so much depression, there might be so many things that feel so insurmountable, that the truth about who Christ is is that he'll never leave you and he'll never abandon you. You will never be alone. Even if you can't understand all of it. At this point, I couldn't understand what was going to happen. Until it happened. And this is the dare to hope and the true promise. The promises of God aren't empty. They're not empty. They're not just words. But they're the truth of his character. And that's not just for me, but that's for all of us. You see, Christ made us because he wanted a relationship with us. He wanted a relationship with you. He wanted a relationship with me. And so he made a way to ensure that if you, should, if you would accept it, that that can happen. He sent his one and only son, which I can't even imagine, to the earth to die uh, an unimaginable death and then to rise again three days later so that you and me in our imperfection and our doubt and our wondering what's going to happen and all of that, that we can still spend eternity with him. It's not about perfection. We'll never achieve perfection while we're on this earth. God just wants our affection. He wants us to have a real relationship with him. And that's why he did what he did, to ensure that we could have a real relationship with him, should we choose it. And for some of you today, you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I've been living this life so empty. 
I've been trying this, I've been trying that, and yet I keep coming up empty-handed, and I keep feeling like I come to the end of the road where there's no hope. And I just want to encourage you and remind you that there's hope. There's hope because of who God is and because of what he's done. And so today, if you're here and that's where you're at and you want to make a change today, and today's the day you no longer want to live a life alone, but you want to put your hope and faith in Jesus, then I want to give you that chance. And so I want everybody to bow their heads and close your eyes. And if that's you today, I just want you to repeat after me and just know that there's no magic in these words. This is just the expression of what's going on inside of you. But if that's you, just repeat after me and say, Dear God, I'm tired of living a life without hope, Lord. And today, God, I recognize my need for you. Lord, today I recognize that I don't want to live life without you. And so today, God, with the best that I know how, Lord, I just lay aside my pride. Father, I confess my shortcomings to you. And Lord, I ask you to become king of my life to take over my life so that I can spend eternity with you in heaven. As we continue to pray, if you made that decision today to put your faith in Jesus, I just want to tell you that scripture is very clear that God is preparing a place specifically for you. And then after all this world has gone away, that your life continues for eternity with Christ in heaven. Lord, as we continue to pray, Father, for those of us who know you but have lost our way, Lord, maybe we've lost hope because we've experienced pain or we've experienced suffering or we've experienced something that we don't feel like we can get over, Lord, and we've been distracted or we've been distracted by the things of this world, Lord. God, I pray that you would refocus us, Lord, that you would get us back on track, Lord. God, I pray that you would just refocus on the truth of who you are, Lord, on the true prince, on the true prize, on the true promise of who you are, Lord, because truly, Lord, there is none like you. There's none like you. God, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness, for your consistency, for your pursuit of us, Lord, that you don't give up on us, Lord, that you never abandon us, that you never leave us, Lord. Thank you that we can have 100% confidence in who you are, Lord. God, I thank you for everybody here in the room. I thank you for everybody online who is just moving towards you, Lord. What a gift it is to move towards you together. God, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for all that you're doing in all the lives that we can see and can't see. We pray this on your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Can we just give it up for those who put their faith in Jesus? If you did that and you've never experienced you obviously you've never experienced that before if you just did that today. But if, if you did that, I just want to encourage you to tell somebody. Um, if you're new here, it might be tempting to leave and not tell anybody. But let me tell you, life is up and down and it's a beautiful thing with Christ. It's also really good when we do it with other people. And so fight the urge just to not tell anyone. Tell someone, tell me, grab somebody on stage. Look at the person next to you. I mean, they're not that scary. They've been sitting next to you for the last hour. So just say, hey, I did this, what's next? Because it's a beautiful journey when we can walk this together. And so 